You are listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. My name is Matt Birch, and the reason I'm speaking right now is because the audio recording from this past Sunday was subpar, and I'm taking full responsibility for that. I recorded the audio from my computer's microphone rather than from the soundboard, so as you can imagine, the sound quality is not going to be good at all. However, we still want to give you the option to listen if you missed this past Sunday. So without further ado, here is Greg Ballard's message. Uh, for those of you that were coming to hear Ross this morning, sorry. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, actually asked me to share things that have been. Uh, he said he was hoping that that would make you guys appreciate it all the more when he did speak. Anyway, uh, pleasure of uh, sharing with you what God's put on my heart this morning. Uh, I'm going to share with you guys one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible, actually. It's... Um, from my favorite letter in the Bible, the book of Romans. I'm sure many of you here have studied it. It is an awesome, awesome letter uh, that Paul wrote to Christians in Rome. Um, Paul desired through most of his ministry, the time that he was going to all the different cities, to visit Rome. In many of the letters, he writes, oh, I long to come and see you, and I'm looking forward to that time where you can come and share this incredible gospel that Jesus has given me to share with the world. And it's like Paul was just so excited, he couldn't wait to get there. He gave his most explicit, uh, thorough detail of what this amazing gospel is, and he shares that in this letter to the Romans. And it is a dense, theologically life-changing, amazing letter. And I just want to pull out one verse. We're going to look at some other verses too, but there's one main verse I want to look at. And this verse alone, we could probably do like a 10-part series on it. It is just dense, packed. And I was saying to my wife, I said, you know, last night I was going over the session, I just have so much, there's so much you could go on and on about that, I don't know, I don't know this is in the middle, but uh, I've got three points, maybe we'll get through two of them, we'll see how that goes. Um, so I want to share with you from Romans 5.17, it said that those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. And there's a few things that really jump out to me when you see that verse, and I don't know what jumps out to you, but I just want to pull out a few of them. We'll start with it. It says that those who receive, and okay, so this verse is talking about the key to reigning in life. Now, who here doesn't want to reign in life? I mean, is there anybody here who doesn't want to reign in life? Nobody, right? We all want to reign in life. This sounds amazing. Like, what is this? Like, Paul's going to share this incredible secret with us. We want to reign in life. I don't even know what that means, but man, it sounds good, right? We want to reign in life. And so this first part really jumps out to me because it says those who receive. I have to pause there for a second. Receiving. See, for most of us, we know we want to reign in life, whatever that means. But so many of us, and myself included, I spent the first half of my Christian life trying to do it trying to achieve whatever I thought it meant to look like reigning life. I spent the first half of my Christian life <laughs> believing and, and being reinforced by teaching that the Christian life, whatever that was, was something I had to try really hard at. And I did it through reading my Bible, sometimes. But that's that, so I felt really guilty about that. I tried serving lots, I tried uh, you know, being good, whatever that meant. Usually for me, what that meant was I don't have to sin a whole lot, um, which was easier on some days than others. 
Uh, I tried uh, being what people would consider a good person and you know, loving being kind to others. And I thought, if I did those things, I would have some sort of resemblance of what God wanted for me. This is somehow pleasing to Him. This is the Christian life. Do my best, put in my effort. There you go, God. And I don't know if you've ever experienced what I'm describing, but it's kind of frustrating because no matter how hard I tried, I have those days where maybe I felt pretty good about it, and a lot of times where I didn't. And it was just an up and down, it's like a roller coaster of emotion and feeling far from God. Sometimes I felt close to Him, sometimes I didn't, usually based on my performance. So this verse takes all of that thinking and just turns it on its head. See, it's not about what I can do, my efforts, what I can try to achieve some sort of picture of success or, or reigning in life. It's the verse is telling me I need to receive. So that's the first thing I want to point out. Um, it, it's not a question of what am I doing, but am I a good receiver? So that's what I want to ask you. Are you a good receiver? The second part that stands out to me in this verse is this word abundance. Okay? Whatever it is we think we need to do to reign in life, here's the thing God has enough. Alright? It sounds like an obvious statement, but often when we apply it to ourselves, there's a disconnect. We often think things like, oh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think that's for me. That idea of reigning in life, that's for super Christians. You know, I, that's not me. You know, I, I'm hopeless, okay? I, I've tried, uh, that, that's just not for me. I, I, mean, I don't qualify, I'm too stupid. Uh, I'm not strong enough. So I didn't have the right upbringing. I come from the wrong kind of family. All right, I've seen, I know, I've seen those people kind of look like they've got it together. And you know, they, they that maybe applies to them. That, that doesn't apply uh, there, There's something wrong with me. I'm not strong enough. Um, you know, I've got, I'm, I'm the wrong gender, the wrong color. I'm a victim. Uh, I'm beyond hope. If you've ever thought anything like that, just stop. Okay? God has more than enough. More than enough what? Okay, what is it that we are to receive that He has more than enough? Well, the verse says that those who receive the abundance of Grace, all right. Those who receive the abundance of grace. We're coming back to this question, what is grace? Okay, and as Ross was going to talk about this first Sunday here, it is difficult to really define, okay? But what I'm hoping this morning is we can get our minor hats on and dig in a little deeper and see if we can understand this even more. See, a lot of Christians understand that grace, this was me for most of my, I would say the first half of my Christian life, is all my understanding of grace, and therefore all I received of grace was forgiveness. Now, who here is thankful for forgiveness? Who here needed forgiving? Every man should be out, right? We know that this is an incredible, powerful truth of the gospel that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, He shed His blood so that I could receive the propitiation of my sins, that I would be forgiven. God has removed their sin from us as far as the east is from the west. We are forgiven. That's an amazing thing. But what I would say to us this morning is that, and as Ross explained last week, so much more happened with 
Christ died for us on the cross. Yes, he died for us, but what also happened? Galatians 2.20 says that not only did Christ die for us, but that I, you and me, we died with Christ. The old self was crucified with Christ, not just crucified, but buried, done away with the old man, the person who I was born into this world, the, the spiritual DNA that we inherited from Adam, we were slaves to sin, under condemnation, under the law, all the expectations and requirements for righteousness. We died to it. We were set free. We are a new, not only we were crucified and buried, but then we were raised again, resurrected into new, but to be a new creation. We were born again. This incredible, incredible other part of the cross that so many of us have missed, and therefore we haven't received. It's all we've understood about grace is that Christ died for me, and that was amazing. But we need to, it's so essential that we understand that we also died, and not just died, but were raised again. See, we have been filled with, joined to, we are now in union with Jesus Himself. Do you know what this means? Means that all that he is, he makes available to all of you. Think about that for a second. All that he is, he makes available to all that I need. It's a powerful, powerful thing. See, his life, eternal life, is now my life. It's your life. See, eternal life isn't something we wait for after we die and we go to heaven and now eternal life starts. Eternal life is a person. It's Jesus. And he's in you and he's in me. For all those who have faith in him, he says, I have baptized you and me. Baptized in my death, burial, and resurrection. We are now one. All that I am, I make available to all that you are. And so grace is God's ability. And living by grace, we, we understand that we've been saved by grace. But again, let's go back and think that so many of us believe that grace is simply forgiveness of sins. It doesn't quite fit now. We've been saved by grace. See, what, what, what that verse really is saying, what grace is saying, we were saved by His ability. It wasn't by works that we were saved. It wasn't by my ability. I couldn't save myself, you couldn't save yourself. But who's doing Who's doing it? God's doing That's grace. We were saved by His doing His ability, and that's how we are to live. We are to live by grace. His doing His ability. And here's the good news. You see it in An abundance. An overflow. More than enough. All that He is, He makes available. All that we are. My question is, what do you need? You know, are there any parents here this morning? You find you need patience. Kids. Uh, maybe there's friendships that have been strained. You need unconditional love of someone. Are you lonely? Are there family members that need forgiveness? Co-workers that need understanding? Are you lacking self-control? Are you struggling for purpose? Are you confused about something? Has someone wronged you? Have you wronged someone? Do you struggle with addiction and guilt? Are you self-medicating? Are you struggling to feel loved? Do you feel like no one notices you? Like you don't matter? Like your life is insignificant? What do you need? 
make it all a little bit uncomfortable. Just give me a moment to say I'm going to ask you to share it. You don't have to give us a lot of details of the circumstances. Uh, you can. Uh, maybe it's just a word. Maybe it's a sentence. What do you need? What, what, is, what do you find yourself needing in your life right now? Anyone willing to share with us? Maybe a word, a sentence? Security. Relief. We don't need to ask God to give us more. 
we already have everything we need. Second Peter 1 3, his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness. So the question isn't about getting more, so much as it is about us receiving it. See, he has already given us everything we need in the person of Jesus Christ. We don't get more of Jesus. We don't need more of Jesus. I'm not saying Jesus anymore. Come into me. He's already there. But we need to receive what he wants to bring to each moment of every need. You know, see the difference? See, I spend a lot of my prayer life asking God to give me something, and wow, did that blow my mind when I discovered So I pray differently now, or learning to. Now I pray and say, thank you, Jesus. I have an incredible need. You are everything that I need. And I already have it. So thank you that you're here. I need you. This changed my life. So we don't need more of anything. We already have everything. Of Jesus, but are we, are we receiving all that He has offered? Or are we still trying to live our best for Him? To the Christian life, it's impossible. Sorry, it's not hard, it's impossible. We can't do it. Only He can live the Christian life, only He can reign in life. All right, so it's living with His ability, uh, like a hand in the glove. The hand that animates the actions and the movements of the glove. It's like Jesus in us. That's what he wants to be. Okay? In unison with him. It's a, an intimate relationship. Okay? He wants to animate our movements. Give us the words. Give us the grace that we need for each moment and everything. Alright, so second part of this verse. We need to receive the abundance of his ability, his grace, and the gift of righteousness. If I could ask you guys to picture a scale of one to ten, if I were to ask you to rate yourself, how good are you? What number would you give yourself? How would you score? How would you rate? On a scale of one to ten, ten being the best, obviously one being the worst. Are you a good person? Are you a good Christian? Are you a good parent, uh, spouse, friend? And what would other people probably rate you that way? How do you come up? Don't you know? Say it out loud. How would you rate yourself? What do you base your grade on? If you're like most people, you base it on your performance, right? How am I doing? Start toweling it up. You know, how we feel about ourselves. Okay, well, how much sin has there been in the last little bit? This week, we started doing that. How many good works? How, how are you doing read the Bible? How are you doing serving? Being kind and good? See, for me, I found I did this all the time, whether consciously, sometimes consciously, sometimes subconsciously, most importantly, subconsciously. I believe that for good chunk of my life that something was wrong with me. That despite the appearance on the outside, now a lot of people probably thought that I was a pretty model Christian, uh, I had it all together, I was 
you know, uh, in different ministries that I was involved in at a young age at camp ministry, promoted up some pretty senior ranks, pretty young, because people looked at some other. There's a guy that want to model for the younger generation. You know, I had those kind of messages coming to me, but man, I felt like fraud. I gotta tell you, because I didn't, I, something felt wrong in me. I knew things in my thought life. I knew things that I was still struggling with. Uh, I didn't read my Bible enough. I didn't, I felt, guys, yeah, thanks, but I'm a six. You know? <laughs> Some days are one. Maybe at my best day of seven or an eight. Uh, but really, no, I felt much lower. And see, the answer to how you how you answer this question is so important because what you believe about how good you are will determine how you live. See, most people, even on their best days, feel they're not that good. And this usually leads to one of two options. And if you're like me, a little bit of both. Most people, they'll just try harder. Okay, I'm not doing that great, I really screwed that up, so I need to, okay, I'm gonna come up with a plan, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna read my Bible more this way, I guess I'm gonna spend my prayer closet, and I, okay, I heard that half 10 minutes of a day of prayer is good, but I think I better do 20. Um, I'm gonna read that book of the Bible, maybe I better read the whole Bible this year, because uh, man, you know, I'm really struggling, that would be better. And so, come with all these things we need to do, I, you know, accountability partners, uh, we were living with Matt. Uh, you know, if we were in university, we came up with a plan that every time one of us made a foul joke, we could count each other in the arm. This is oh, good one, you got me. Thank you for the righteousness of God. All this effort, right? Trying to be good. And so a lot of people do that. They say, you know, at their core, they feel like, oh, man, it's not right. I'm not good. I don't measure up. So we try hard. We try really hard to get better. Um, how's it working? The other option is the Medicaid. It's like, oh man, I feel like a big pile of crap today. And that is an awful feeling. You've ever felt that. And so, like I said, you can either try harder to get better, or you just try to feel better. Entertainment, distract yourself, whether it's through food or TV or pornography or uh, you know, whatever, music, and relationships, and social status, you get all this. Other things the world offers as solutions to fill in that emptiness inside. Like, oh man, I just want to not think about all that. And on Sunday, we kind of come crawling back. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Maybe I'll try harder this week. What can I do? People are very happy to tell us what we need to do. You'll open yourself up. If you get vulnerable with somebody one day and they say, Cousin that people 
kind of don't really want to talk to you a whole lot, but we'll, oh, you know, it's family Christmas. We'll let him come. You feel like that guy. So we try hard, or we medicate. Usually some sort of strange combination of both. So here's the problem. Both of these options are missing genes. And see, even people who think they're actually doing a pretty bang up job, this is self-righteousness. You know, the people who think, you know, Glad to have you have you here today about that. You know? I don't know a lot of these people, but you do come across them. Uh, can be very judgmental of other people, very hard, um, very cynical. You know, people who you know, pound on the, the rules and be like, "What's wrong with this?" You know? See, God says self-righteous acts are like filthy rags. Even if you're doing outwardly the right things and kind of appear like you got it all together, it's not what he's after. It's not about the behavior, it's not about the performance, it's not about looking like that model Christian. See, if it's not flowing from his life, it's, it's not from grace, it's not about it. Self-righteousness is disgusting. It's like filthy rights, it's like the Pharisees. Okay, they were they came to follow the rules. Jesus said they were like whitewashed tombs. There's no life in you. I think these people, even if they allow themselves to slow down and quiet their minds, they feel like something's wrong. Something's missing. They'll just keep trying harder. How good are you? So the truth is, who we are, our worth, our identity, our goodness, is not determined by what we do. Amen? <laughs> See, I could get around on this floor, on all fours, <laughs> picture, I start barking like a dog, you know, covert, you know, start doing all that, I could, I could do a really good dog, pretty good actor, uh, you know, a lot of weird things. It doesn't make me a dog. It's good of an actor. I can put on a costume. Maybe I'm fooling you something. <laughs> With today's technology, we can do a nice CG effect on the screen and all that. Am I a dog? No matter how convincing I can be, no matter what my behavior, it doesn't make me a dog. Our behavior, our behavior does not determine who we are. What determines our identity? learned last week, we were born sinners. Those who are born in Adam, this is spiritual DNA inheritance made you out of We are born dead. Separated from God. Slaves to sin. What did you do to become a sinner? You were born. You didn't have to do anything. But that person died with Christ, was buried with him, we were born again, Given a free gift. Didn't earn it. We didn't achieve it. It was not by works. We've been given this new heart. We are a new creation. The old has gone. New has come. We have this incredible gift. Gift of righteousness. We are 
good. I tried so hard to get there. You are good. What I was doing this morning, and I thought it doesn't matter how good of an actor you are. You're not full. It's a free gift. You are righteous. See, sin came through the one man, Adam. His disobedience made all sinners. But much more through the Second man, who? Jesus. Christ. Righteousness has come to the world through his obedience. It's not my obedience, it's not your obedience. Whose obedience made us righteous? Christ's obedience. We are righteous. We didn't earn it. It is a free gift, which also means we can't lose it. It's not dependent on my obedience. How righteous? I want to go back to the question. What, what rating did you give yourself? How did you score? One to ten. See, if you gave yourself anything lower than a ten, you're believing a lie. What do lies do? What is the truth? Us. Realize us. If you give yourself anything less than a ten, you're believing a lie. You're in bondage. So whose righteousness do we have? How good are we? We are as righteous as Jesus. That is the truth. Whose righteousness did he give? He wasn't like me. Hey, whose righteousness? Got some back here. It's not very good, but that's uh, dusted off. There you go, guys. Pin it on you. It's all right. Now there's righteousness. There's no other kind. It's his own righteousness. He gave it to you. He gave it to you. His own. We are as righteous as Jesus. Do you believe it? This is the key. This is what this verse called out. It's a true fact. Not many receive it. And if you want to reign in life, this is absolutely essential. How do you answer this question to determine how to live? And if you rated yourself low, you'll find yourself resorting to the flesh to try to either perform or meditate. It's my effort. Effort to be better to at least feel better. See, Romans 5.21 tells us that grace reigns through righteousness. See, believing that you are good Sorry, Believing that you are good at your core, not needing to perform for acceptance to meet God's standard for your life. See, think about that for a second. You already meet God's standard for your life. You know that? Whether you do another good thing, whether you do another bad thing, God says you're already there. You meet my standard. You want to do another thing. Blow my mind. It's pretty good. And see, this, believing this, 
free is grace because it means I'm free to get out of the way. I'm not busy trying to make myself feel better or busy trying to perform and please God or live up to some sort of standard that I think he has. See, all those options just lead to the flesh. Right? My effort. So grace reigns through righteousness. His ability is unlocked in our lives as we believe the truth of who he says we are. Because if we don't believe it, we're going to get in the way. Does that make sense? So we need to receive his abundance of grace and his gift of righteousness to reign in life. I want to run out of time, but quickly want to talk about this last point. What does that look like? What does it mean to reign in life? So, common answers. Not necessarily true. So common answers about what does reigning in life mean and what does it look like? Sometimes they well, that must mean I'm not tempted. Okay, so if I'm reigning in life, my mind, what that looks like is I'm not going to be tempted to sin. Or we think that it's a successful life. You know, whether that's status or wealth or uh, career or whatever that means in your mind, a successful life. You think, okay, radiant life, that must be what that means. That was success. Or maybe it's an easy life. So a lot of people think, okay, well, this Christian life, I'm really doing it right. It must, must mean I got an easy life. We wish, right? <laughs> Oh, maybe it means that I'm suffering. Okay, so I'm not suffering. That's when I know I got there. And that's what the Christian life would look like. Or no sadness. Maybe it means we're, we think it might mean that I'll be well liked and popular. Uh, truth is, none of these things are good. These are not biblical descriptions of what it means to reign in life, as nice as it all sounds. It's simply not true. The ultimate picture we have of reigning in life is good. Jesus Christ. Was Jesus tempted? Yeah. Was he wealthy? I believe so. Did the life of a carpenter, and he was poor? Think he had that kind of success? Was his an easy, an easy life? Did he have status? Among some people, but he was rejected in his own hometown. Receive him. How was his career? Well, most of his life he was a carpenter. His ministry only lasted three years. How long people would say that's a real successful career? He suffered. Nobody suffered. He was a man acquainted with sorrow. He was rejected by those he loved. He was betrayed, he was denied by his friends. So what is a biblical picture of reigning in life? Because a lot of what we think it must look like doesn't hold up. It's not. The old preacher says, it ain't loud and true, it ain't true. Okay, it's not true. Well, for me the most clear, I don't think it's totally complete, but one of the best verses that talk about what is reigning life look like that ties in with what we've been talking about Galatians 5 22, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is what it looks like when grace is reigning through us. 
his ability, as we abide in him, allow his life to flow through us. This is the fruit we get to bear. I used to read that list, and I think it was a list of things that I had to do. I had to try to be, not realizing I already was. And now I can just be. And allow him to bear it. I just get to bear it. Like a branch. You know, branches aren't so big one. Gotta come on. <laughs> no. It comes, right? Yeah. <laughs> Stop playing. Stick to the notes, man. <laughs> Even someone else. Hey, we're trying to produce something. Whatever that may be. Peter knows what All right. Bearing fruit is not an effort, it's something we get to bear. It's, it's uh, he produces it through us. Victorious living, spirit-filled life, watch what he called it the normal Christian life, naturally supernatural, the overcoming life, whatever you want to call it. It's the reality for those who receive his abundance of grace and righteousness. I want to play a song for you guys. Play a song for you. Just be good at this. So come on, love it.
You know, I feel like being uh, sometimes meeting the last six weeks. We're just getting started. Um, so I kind of feel like I'm messing with this. Just get started. We're going to spend the rest however many years part of this community, digging into this amazing gospel, discovering all that Jesus is, just wanting to experience it together. Um, we're going to spend many more weeks looking at all of that we talked about today. So we're just getting started. Um, I feel like that's sometimes my own life. Heard this message twenty years ago. Absolutely changed my life. Sometimes it feels like we're just getting started. <laughs> I've been studying, wanting to understand this more deeply, experience in my own life. You know, the Bible says that we go from glory to glory. And a really cool picture. We're all on that journey. So wherever you're at in your journey. My prayer and my hope is that God speaks to your heart, that He's telling you how much He loves you, that you come away with maybe just another step in the direction of accepting how special you are, how good you are. I heard somebody once say, Nobody really lives as free as God, that Christ died to make us. That's the journey we're on. So, my, my prayer for all of us that we keep journeying. Ask God to go over, spend time in His Word, let Him talk to you about this stuff. Um, don't let it just be a Sunday thing. Father, we just thank you so much for all that you've done. Thank you that you did it all. We couldn't save ourselves, but we were still helpless right in time. But we were yet sinners. Die for us. That's the kind of love you have. Thank you for forgiving us of our sins and taking the penalty, shedding your blood and suffering on our Thank you, Jesus, that you can Thank you that you now love us. We have a new life in you. And everything we've been looking for and striving for, everything we want. We have it. We can't be any closer. Sometimes it feels like you're far away. But you're not. You bound yourself to us for eternity. All that you are in you all the Pray that you would just make that a deeper reality for each one of us. That we would know it. That we would believe it. That we would receive your abundance. Your gift of righteousness. That we would reign in life for your name's sake. Love you.
Guys, feel free to stick around. We're going to have some coffee. Thank you so much for coming out this morning. I see your faces. And uh, just a reminder, we do have a six-week study coming up. It'll start date set yet. I'll look at that mid-March once the material arrives. On the Heart of Man, you can check out uh, the movie on Netflix. Um, and we're going to do a six-part study of Final Street Phase Team. If you're interested in doing that, Megan and I are hosting it at our place on Tuesday nights, six weeks, starting sometime in March. So keep it posted. Thank you, guys. Have a great week.